Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 275 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Hope 2018 is off to an incredible start for you, both on the tennis courts and off the tennis courts. Today, we're going to be talking about how to end tennis coach overwhelm, which is if you take tennis lessons, if you've been around the block a couple of times at your local club with different coaches, you know exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. This is a pretty much universal issue or something that tennis players have to navigate, and that is dealing with different personalities, approaches, philosophies, egos with tennis coaches. And I've got some input today that I, th- I think is going to be really helpful for you. Uh, really quickly, before we get to today's topic, I want to thank Jaska or Jaska Finn on the iTunes Music Store who recently left a review of the podcast. Thank you so much, Jaska. Appreciate that. Thank you for your support. And today's question is coming to us from not really not sure on the pronunciation here, so I'm just going to go ahead and preemptively apologize. But I think it's uh, Giridhar. It's G-I-R-I-D-H-A-R. Giridhar, I believe. Uh, wrote to me and said, I travel a lot, so being consistent with one coach for my son is not practical. Each coach has a certain style. For example, one coach prefers a big take-back swing and keeping the racket down for a forehand, while another coach says that's wrong and he suggests a shorter swing, etc. The point is that um, as a parent with minimal knowledge on tennis, it's hard to say who's right or wrong. Another big challenge for a kid is he has to undo everything that he's learned and adopt a new coaching method. All these coaches are certified. I don't know if there's any answer to this problem or if we just have to live with it. Okay, I, I just I can just see the the nods of agreements and sympathy and empathy out there among Essential Tennis Podcast listeners, as you know, somebody who's obviously spent my career in tennis teaching. I, I know exactly where this listener is coming from with his son. And uh, looking forward to jumping into this. So there's three key concepts here that we're going to talk about. And two of them are, are basically just understanding and realizing, and kind of being honest and open with the, the state of how tennis is and how tennis coaching is. And the third key concept really is kind of the strategic or uh, practical one that will give you some action steps that you can follow to do the best you can to pick the right coach to begin with, or at least the the best coach available to you, and then also maximize or, or optimize that relationship. So key concept number one is tennis is a stylistic game. If, if, you, if we were to make two big checklists for tennis technique, and one checklist was a big list of things that are non-negotiable, techniques or movements or tactics or strategies that are just commandments, and they're just set in stone, and they 
absolutely positively must be present or else a player cannot be successful at any level of tennis, much less a high level of tennis. And then we made another list of elements, technical, tactical, maybe maybe mental tennis related, that um, are open for debates. And there's some players that choose one and other players that choose the other. And so it's not a fundamental thing. It's not an essential. It's a, it's an element that's that's kind of part of each individual player's style. The stylistic list would be unbelievably large, really virtually unlimited, because we all have our own ways of moving, thinking, playing, acting. We all have our own personalities. We all have our own strengths and weaknesses, athletically and kinesthetically. And so there are a million different ways uh, to play within the framework of doing the essentials correctly or at least close enough that, you know, we are expressing a good forehand or a good serve in our own way. And we're, we're hitting the, the main checkpoints adequately to be able to execute well. So it, it, this is really key number one, is at understanding how stylistic of a game tennis is. Even when operating within the framework of, quote, good technique or good tactical play. And a way to kind of think about this is think about tennis serves across the entire game of tennis. And I, I, I wish there was some, some way to do the experiment I'm about to describe. Uh, maybe, maybe someday it'll be possible. But imagine having kind of a, a blank body, a blank physical canvas to be able to put uh, technical attributes onto of a certain player. You know, you know like a, just kind of a um, computer-generated wireframe, basically. I'm sure this is possible, but uh, I'm not going to pay to have it done. Uh, and imagine that we could kind of load onto that blank canvas different service motions of different players. And so let's just say that we, onto that blank player canvas, we, we loaded Pete Sampras's serve, and on another one, Andy Roddick's serve, and Karlovic's serve, and Serena Williams' serve. Those four players have very distinct service motions. And if you just put their rhythms, their mechanics, the, the way that they deliver their serves onto a completely blank you know, canvas, kind of human model, gender neutral, uh, just a, just basically a mannequin uh, with no other physical attrib- attributes, it would be easy for tennis fans to pick out which serve was which. Now, these are four of the best servers of all time for different, different reasons, and they have different strengths and weaknesses even within their serves. Pete Sampras, Andy Roddick, uh, Ivo Karlovic, and Serena Williams unquestionably for the greatest servers of all time, but very distinct, very um, very easy to pick out different styles of serving. And yet, there's, are, there are coaches who would uh, absolutely debate to the death which one is the best model to follow. Well, let me, let me kind of um, submit to you that there should be an acceptable range of kind of different styles. Uh, just recently, we, we had a, a student uh, just two days ago, three days ago now, who was very jammed on her forehand ground stroke. And uh, we, we started off by showing her a stroke example of uh, 
Azarenka, Victoria Azarenka. And she, she hits her forehand pretty consistently with a little bit of a bend. And we showed her Federer, who hits with a very straight arm. And we showed her Novak Djokovic, who hits with, again, a little bit of a bend in his, fore, in, in, in his, fore, his forehand stroke at contact, a little bit of a bend at his elbow. And so we have three different, very different players, different styles, even different genders, different ways of hitting. And I would take any one of those forehands any day of the week, including Azarenka. I, they're all better athletes than me, all much more accomplished players than me. And all of them hit a forehand much, much, much better than I do. And so there's a range and there's different styles. And this is key number one to understand. Key number two is coaches have egos, just like everybody else. And the vast majority of coaches have a a personal modus operandi that they'll defend to the death. They have certain pet stances and swing styles and strategic approaches and equipment preferences and you just go down the list. Every every single part of the game, every stroke, every uh, contact point, every grip. They most tennis coaches have something that they personally prefer, and they will refer to just about everything else as being wrong. And the way that they approach it is right, and other people they just do not agree with. And it's a very binary thing, very close-minded, and. W- I'm not, I'm not here to bash coaches. I'm here to bring perspective to this. A, I just want to be open and honest about the, the reality of how most tennis coaches are. And I also want to let you know that it's only natural for most coaches to develop this kind of um, armor or in, individualistic approach uh, of kind of being right or wrong to the game. Because year after year, Tennis coaches, you just have to understand, and the, the way that tra- traditional tennis is taught uh, by a coach at a certain facility in a certain town of a certain country, they're trying hard to differentiate themselves from the other coaches around them. And 99% of tennis coaches operate in a certain small, specific geographical area. There's only so many lessons to go around in that geographical area. And so most coaches are, are kind of, frankly, cornered into taking sides on just about everything because they're, most of the, the lessons that they teach have gone around to other coaches. And so uh, if they don't kind of defend their way of thinking, if they don't defend their way of teaching or their uh, philosophy on X, Y, or Z part of the game, then they're kind of worried that, well, they'll... they'll this person won't see them as anything special. They'll just go off to somebody else who can teach them the same thing. And so a natural, a very much a natural byproduct of the uh, t- tennis coaching world is to have very dogmatic thinking, very being very close-minded and binary. It's very much me versus them uh, kind of thinking. And what should be seen as style, which was the opening point here, tennis is a stylistic game, what should be seen as style by these kinds of coaches becomes, becomes an opportunity to separate themselves from other teachers. And so this is 
quite frankly, just the status quo. And I'm not saying every coach is like this. It's, it's definitely not true. There are, there are plenty of coaches out there uh, who are very open-minded and gracious and will tell you that they don't know something or that, yeah, this other way might be just as good. Or we'll give options. Hey, listen, there's, there's kind of a couple different modes of thinking on this. And here's one and here's the other. And, and what do you think? Which way do you, do you think we should go on this? That's a minority of coaches. Uh, they, they are out there. But most are, are trying hard to cling on to their, their way of thinking. They're, they're trying hard to develop their personal philosophy and differentiate themselves from the other coaches around them. And so the result is um, very kind of me versus them kind of attitude. And again, not like talking down to anybody or uh, judging, being judgmental, simply uh, describing as best as I can exactly what this podcast listener is, uh, is dealing with so we can all kind of be on the same page moving forwards. So key concept number one, tennis is a stylistic game. Key concept number two, Coaches have egos, just like everybody else, just like all the rest of us. Uh, And so what should be style frequently becomes doctrine. And it's my way or the highway kind of attitude. Okay, so that brings us to key concept number three. And this is where things get practical. And I'll tell you exactly how to move forward with this and and minimize uh, the confusion and, and frustration. And the third key concept that you absolutely must take to heart is that at the end of the day, you are responsible for the quality of the coaching that you receive. And at first that might sound confusing. Well, I'm not the teaching pro. I'm not the the expert here. Ian, I'm not the, the person whose career it is to make other people better at tennis. So how is it my responsibility? Well, even within the context of the person who asked this question, traveling a lot, and obviously, you know, not not easy to uh, to deal with with those kind of um, just kind of practical challenges. You're going to have choices, and you need to do your homework. And I think there's kind of a prevalent attitude among tennis players that, uh, to a certain extent. A teaching pro is a teaching pro, and as long as they're certified and they've got a track record of you know, working with players and they've got students who've been successful and have achieved X, Y, Z, and oh, by the way, they were a good player too. They, they played in college or maybe even they played some professional tennis. You know, as long as those things are, are, prevo- are, are present, rather, then I... Uh, great, I'm all set. And a, a kind of a teaching pro is a teaching pro as assuming that those different qualifications are there. And I'm here to tell you that that's just not the case. Just like with any other profession, uh, the, a CPA is not a CPA. A school teacher is not a school teacher. An auto mechanic is not an auto mechanic. You have to do your homework. Ideally, you know, get some references, talk to other students who've worked with that coach, but you also need to sit and observe and watch and know what you're looking for. And so I've broken this into two different parts, kind of a, a macro level of, of looking at a teaching pro and a, a more granular or micro level. At a macro level, you need to choose a coach with a personality, overall philosophy and teaching approach and methodology that fits you well. And you need to watch them teach first 
to be able to tell these things for sure. And most of you, I think, will get a sense for this within five or ten minutes. See how they treat their students. They treat them with respect and uh, as kind of an equal or a peer, or do they talk down to them and and frequently uh, degrade them or treat them like a second-class citizen? And uh, I'm kind of going in extremes here, but you get the idea. You know, most most coaches will be kind of somewhere in between, but uh, those are kind of the two extremes. Uh, Do they have focus, and do they will they really be patient? and stick with one thing for a while to make sure a student gets it, or is it a a whole flurry of activity and constantly bouncing from thing to thing to thing? In other words, is it, is it, uh, are they taking time to really go deeply on one topic at a time, or is it just kind of activity hour and they're, they're just trying to make sure everybody gets a good workout and kind of throw as many phrases and tips and tricks into the mix as possible to make everybody feel like they're, they're learning a lot or are they someplace in between? And finally, are they open-minded or closed-minded? You'll be able to tell this pretty quickly. Uh, is there, does the student have a role in the coaching or is it completely one-sided? Uh, does the coach, um, with 100% of the time, uh, leading everything and pushing and not asking for input, not asking for uh, uh any kind of um, confirmation of understanding or any kind of feedback or they just kind of bulldozing everything or are are the coach and the student really working together hand in hand? Is it a joint, is it a joint effort? Are they open-minded or are they closed-minded? These are just the three things that for me came to mind right away off the top of my head. There's other things as well. Personality, are they, some coaches are uh, more, soft-spoken and understated while others are super on the other end of the spectrum and uh, extremely high energy and uh, um, have a lot of charisma and enthusiasm, you need to know what works best for you. Or in the case of the person who asked this question, what works best for your son? Sit and talk with your son about this. Uh, Or, you know, watch your son. Uh, Spend some time watching your son with different coaches. You'll get a sense for who your son gravitates towards. And then each time you go to a different city, I listen, I understand this, this, takes, this takes some time commitment and you, you have to invest in this process. There's no, there's no easy answer here. There isn't, oh yeah, just look for somebody with this college ranking or you know, this many titles uh, as a player and this certification and this many years coaching and there you go, there's, there's your coach. It's just, it is not even close to that simple. If you just go by very surface level uh, certifications and metrics, um, you will get wildly different results and wildly different experiences on the courts because there's so much more going on beneath the surface. Never rely on certifications or student results, especially don't rely on that coach's playing results Playing results have very, very, very next to nothing, next to no uh, um, impact on how good of a coach they are. Learning how to be a great player and learning how to be a great coach are two completely different disciplines. So um, at the very least, never, ever rely on playing results, but even certifications and um, uh, having uh, different coaching 
um, badges of honor, quite frankly, most of those, all that's required is you know the answers on a test, you answer them correctly, and you get certified. And I'm, I'm simplifying that. I, I don't, you know, I don't mean to uh, talk down to any any specific certification at all, but for the most part, that's the case. And it's something that anybody can uh, can learn. Uh, and even if there's some, some kind of play test involved, um, it's not all that is cracked up to be. <laughs> so that's a, a macro level. On a more micro level, the way that you hold responsibility here in this relationship is you must, A, know what your goals, expectations, and needs are as a student or what your son's goals, expectations, and needs are. And then you must communicate those clearly up front and frequently afterwards. And this includes how time is spent on the court. You expect a whole hour to be spent on developing a forehand, or are you good with 10 minutes being spent on forehand, backhand, overhead, volleys, serves, and returns? Just, just as a random example, how do, how do you expect lessons to go? What are your expectations for that time on the court? What needs do you have? What, what needs do, do your son have? Um, what are the things that you don't want to be changed? Uh, what things are negotiable or non-negotiable for you? What style do you want to pursue? These are things that you may think are up to the coach, but I'm here to tell you that you need to take responsibility for them. You need to take responsibility in the sense that you have to know yourself well enough to, uh, to know what you want and know what you're trying to get out of the game. And then you have to take responsibility for actually communicating them to the person that you decide to spend time with on the court. So choose a, choose a, my recommendation to you is choose a coach first based on the macro level and then adjust based on the micro level and if there's any kind of uh, things come to a head, if any values are not in alignment, then move on quickly. And this is kind of the last thing I'll touch on that I've found personally is very difficult for players. And I think it's because most tennis coaches are very good at the person. Per, uh, most tennis coaches are very good at the personal relationship building side of the equation. And it's important. Like you want to work with somebody that you like and you trust, and, and you kind of feel like, you know, you, you enjoy being around that person. And most, most tennis coaches are very good at uh, managing that side of it to where you feel like you get to know them and you become friends very quickly. And that makes it very difficult for players to move on to another coach. And my biggest piece of advice I can give you here is, is don't feel so emotionally and personally invested. Uh, this is should be part a natural part of the process. Is when you get to a certain point where you're not getting anything out of a coaching relationship, you should move on. If you find out after a couple weeks that there's a misalignment in beliefs or values or um, you know what you want to get out of it or the personality on the court isn't quite what you thought it was, it's okay. Move on. You need to find somebody. If you're taking this seriously, you're investing the time, you're investing the money, you are responsible for getting out of this what you wanted to. 
And so just because they're certified, just because they have all the impressive accolades and rankings and trophies and all that, and maybe star pupils that have accomplished this, that, and the other thing, it doesn't mean that uh, your job as a student is to sit and say nothing and just take whatever they feed you. It's okay to move on to somebody else, especially if you're self-aware enough and you've done the, the personal reflection to know what you want out of it and know that this person is just not in alignment with that. They might be in perfect alignment with a thousand other tennis students and that's fine, but you need to know what you need out of this and then have the um, character to communicate it up front and then move on if it's just not a good fit. And it's not something you should... Be apologetic for or feel badly about. It's just part of the process, finding somebody that fits with you, especially if you're bouncing around a lot like this particular uh, listener is with his son in a lot lot of different geographical areas. It's it's tough. And at the end of the day, you need to spend the time to to research, to uh, observe, and find exactly what you need out of that coaching relationship. Hope that all makes sense. And... I hope nothing came off as being too condescending towards uh, the coaching industry or coaches in general. I, I really, truly am just trying to just speak the truth here. And um, I, I, I empathize 100%. I, I used to be in that that game. I used to be a part of that that rat race. And coaches are, coaches are under a lot of pressure uh, to keep a certain amount of hours and to attract a certain number of students and clients and, and keep them, uh, keep them on their, their schedules. And there's, it's complicated. It's a tricky business. Uh, and so I, I totally empathize. There, there's a lot of pressures and it's, it's not an easy thing to navigate for the coach or the students. So, um, you know, don't mean to be overly blunt about it, but I'm not going to do anybody any favors by, uh, by tiptoeing around it either. So it is what it is. And uh, hopefully this is helpful to you. Uh, If so, and you have any feedback, you can always feel free to send me an email to Ian, that's I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. Or if you have any topics or questions that you'd like me to answer on a future episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast, feel free to shoot me a message there as well. If today's episode was helpful to you, Do me a favor, leave us a rating and a review on the iTunes Music Store. I'd appreciate that very much. For more free, game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.